0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. <laughs> John Anik
1: and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post the
2: next.
3: Big job there from Duffy and Frank Meers. now. Down goes Duffy.
2: Oh, cool. does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. Hyperbole. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are
0: your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
4: Third primetime episode in the history of the program. Great to be with you on a Sunday evening, January 16th, 2022 is the year. It's episode 332 of the Anakin Florian podcast starring three-time UFC title challenger Kenny Florian. It's great to see you, man. Hey, 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 give me prime primetime. I don't know what you're going to get. I mean, you know, a lot of things have happened before 630 or so
3: p.m. Eastern time. How you doing, kid? I'm doing all right. I'm a little down, a little a little depressed after the Patriots kind of got smoked last oh, night. But uh terrible. We had good we had a great main event, you know. So that that saved it. So
4: thank God Calvin Cater out of Methuen picked up the entire region because uh you know, I was wondering to what extent could the Boston athletes sort of lift up my spirits, right? Because I love Giga Chikadze, I have a great personal yep. relationship. So even though, yes, we want to see somebody from the great state of Massachusetts or or Tisha Torres out of fall river, right? We want to see somebody on the duck boats, get a championship parade, but I don't have a rooting interest when Calvin Cater fights, geek at Chikadze. obviously for Patriots and bills that did not go well. So generally speaking, nice to see the new England guy break through. Um, we begin headlines with Calvin Cater and what a performance it was. And I don't know that you should classify me in his group of naysayers, right? But I didn't necessarily love this matchup. I thought there were a lot of questions to be answered for Calvin Cater, given the year off, given the fact that candidly, I've never seen UFC president Dana White more worried about a fighter's health and well being after a fight than I saw him after the Max Holloway fight, which was exactly a year ago today in January of 2021. So, um, So many good things to say about Calvin Cater, and we all have a lot of them. Ray Longo as well. But, Kempflo, what were your thoughts on Cater uh, outpointing Giga Chikadze in a major way Saturday night?
3: Brilliant. Just brilliant. I think that when you look at the backdrop of that last fight against Holloway, you know, he took so much damage Uh, A record uh, as far as significant strikes uh, received goes. And, you know, not many people can bounce back from a beating like that physically, mentally, spiritually. However, if if you knew Calvin Cater, you know he's as tough as they come mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, And more than anything else, you know, everyone talks about, you know, hey, just go out and pressure him. Well, it takes more than just pressure. You got to be able to fight your ass off and you got to be technically sound and you got to be in tip top shape. Well, Cater came back more technically proficient. He fought smarter, he was in tremendous shape. He kept a pace that was absolutely brutal, and he did something to Giga Jikadze that Giga had never really experienced in a fight before. And I, I say this all the time. I don't care what form of combat it is. If you are experiencing something for the first time, it is rare that that person responds perfectly well to that new stimulus and i thought it was absolutely brilliant from cater for a couple different reasons first of all he went out and bullied giga giga had never experienced that before um he brought a new weapon that yes he we've seen him knock guys out with an elbow before but to throw that many elbows at that kind of range i thought was fucking brilliant yeah um so he, he he brought For me, a a, a weapon that I don't think Giga was prepared for. Um, And uh, I I think the pacing really threw him off. You know, I I don't think Giga was prepared uh, to suffer like he did. Now, he responded beautifully, showed he had a tremendous chin, and also Cater, uh, again, with that chin. Took some shots himself, but seemed to be unfazed by it. Uh, And uh, again, I was blown away by the performance. Uh, If you forgot about Calvin Calvin Cater, shame on you. I I thought Giga was going to win, right? Um, But, uh, I mean, Calvin is is a different fighter. He just looked way more uh, technically aware, sound, um, and I was just very, very impressed.
4: You put it well. As usual, he looked to me like he could have gone another three rounds if need be, which just speaks to the shape that he was in. You know, the whole team deserves credit, but Tyson Chartier – it's just so consistent in terms of the approach, you know, everything from the inspection zone, right. With all of these athletes, it's the same thing. They're creatures of habit. They're very disciplined, you know, um, rents do every day, all that stuff Insert search your cliche, you know, but just a lot of hard workers that are clear with their intentions and, um, I don't know. I was just blown away by the performance. And uh, you're right with the elbows uh, to lean on that weapon to that extent. And, you know, sometimes we, we go ahead, Ken Flo, please.
3: Yeah, no, uh, sorry. And, and one thing I left out, John, was also, you know, you look at Giga. We talked about this leading into the fight. The most dangerous part of Giga's game is his kicking game. And if you're going into that fight, you go, well, how the hell do I take that away from him uh, consistently? He was able to do that by backing up. It is extremely difficult, especially if you want to be uh, a good body kicker to go backwards and land that kick with effectiveness it's extremely difficult um and because of that forward pressure from cater and and the range at which he fought him he never allowed giga to really throw that confidently and even the first round i think that early takedown when he did th- throw the kick it got in his head he's going shit if i throw that again i'm going to be on my back again so uh I, again the other thing to to your point about tyson chartier i think when you're seeing a fighter or a camp come at you from different angles, from different strategies, from different using different tactics, to me that's a sign of a good coach, right? it's not just you know the same dude, they're they're pumping out the same guys who are fighting the exact same way. This was a different approach, a unique approach. i I, I thought it was really well done. And imagine
4: what it took, right, to rebuild this fighter essentially. And, you know, all the questions, right, why didn't you throw in the towel against Max Holloway and why didn't they stop the fight to sort of reverse that and put that type of beating on Giga Chikadze, borderline 10-8 in the fifth, you know, did get a 10-8 from Chris Lee. Just an insane performance uh, and just so happy for the kid, man. Just yeah. when you think about where he was a year ago um, and I don't know that Calvin Cater and there are some Chikadze angles on this that I want to get to. Um, I don't know that Cater's ever going to be able to totally distance himself from the Max Holloway fight. Right. Because I feel like that was the greatest singular performance in UFC history, just in terms of one individual against another records that won't be broken. Right. And to come back from that, to take the requisite time, to make all those improvements that someone of your status speaks to, you know, it's not that I thought he was incapable of it, but to do it like this and to win like 50 to 44, um, you, away. Just,
3: you just don't see it, right? It's rare that you see someone uh, be able to do that. So it speaks to the character of Calvin Cater. It also speaks to the point that he's a he's a guy who's willing to rebuild himself. Very few guys are, are, are going to look at themselves honestly and go, uh, well, you know, I had a bad night or, you know, my weight cut was bad. And they, they blame everyone, everyone else except for themselves. Whereas Calvin Cater, it would seem like it was clear where he said, I got to be better. I, I got to bring some new weapons to the table. And he did that here uh, against Chikadze.
4: So one thing Dominic Cruz said late in the fight that he could all but guarantee that this is going to make Giga so much better. And it sort of dovetails with what you were saying about a lot of these experiences being firsts for him. Uh, so when you look at Chikadze, look like a world beater from seven and O humbly now seven and one in the UFC. Um, what are your thoughts on, on how he'll rebuild and maybe similarly to cater, try to get himself back into contention.
3: I, I think that for Giga he showed a tremendous amount of heart. How many guys would have broken after that second round? I, yeah. I mean, the the pacing and the pressure and the shots that were landed, I, I think there's very few people that would have been able to come back from that alone. Giga maybe was getting beaten uh, throughout that fight, but he was still trying to win the fight. You can't say he looked for a way out. There's no way. Um, he did his best. It wasn't always successful, but he did his best to stay in the fight and look for a way to win. Um, and to me, that shows a lot of character. That showed championship heart. Yep. I do agree with Dom. I think he will be much better for this. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who comes from a kickboxing background. Perhaps he came in uh, a little overconfident. Um, and perhaps thought that maybe that damage that uh, Cater took against Holloway was going to be too much, and he would do kind of the same thing. Uh, It's just Cater never allowed for that to happen. Uh, A a brilliant performance by both men, an awesome main event, and uh, kudos to both guys. Chikadze will be back, and he'll be better.
4: That Georgian blood, man. Those guys are tough. There's no doubt about it. Going to look like John Wayne Parr with all the facial stitches, though. Yeah, oh, my God, those yes. elbows. These Boston guys with the elbow. I mean, you Boston fighters are just nasty pricks, as Ken Flo likes to say. <laughs> all right, so, you know, I hate to always be bringing up Holloway Cater, but I'm telling you, bro, when I walked out of that arena in Abu Dhabi, I was shaking because of what Max Holloway did. I wasn't shaking with concern for Cater's well-being because he's so goddamn tough and was yep. just so with it after the fact. But I just want to revisit these numbers. I tweeted them out today on Max Holloway. Kenflo, like 744 significant strikes thrown for Max Holloway against Calvin Cater. He landed 445 significant strikes. So he landed 301 more significant strikes Then Cater just landed against Chikadze. So 300 more lands. You can understand why President Dana White was, uh, you know, a little bit put off by all the damage. Right. Like, dude, how's anybody going to come close to those records? Like, that is insane. Like, I have people responding to my tweet. Great responses, by the way, if you look at them, like, just go try to throw 744 significant strikes in 25 minutes, like on a heavy bag or something.
3: Holloway's different, man. Holloway's just built different. I, that that talk about level of pacing. I mean, look at look at Cater's fight. So how many significant strikes did Cater throw? Because I think you tweeted something about this.
4: Four hundred yet less than Holloway okay.
3: landed. I and mean, it seemed you know. like he wasn't. He it seemed like he rarely stopped punching. Right. And you right. added another three hundred some odd punches, and you are like, I know. How is that? Yeah, it's it's really hard to wrap your head around that. It's. Unbelievable.
4: If you went into a main event fight and your sole goal was to break the record just for significant strike attempts, I don't think you could even throw the 750. Uh, I don't even know, man, go watch Holloway cater, but Calvin cater deserves to be celebrated. This puts him right back into featherweight title contention. And, um, Going to be interesting. He's going to get a big fight. And uh, I'm very happy for uh, just a good, solid kid out of Methuen. All right. Um, also on the main card, you know, you got to feel good for Jake Call, your father of three boys. You know, if you saw some of the post fight stuff, he dealt with a lot of circumstances leading up to this fight, totaled a car. I uh, guess the submission by rear naked choke over chase Sherman. Uh, you know, Sherman looked lean, you know, obviously he was yeah. giving up some size. And when the fight got to the ground, obviously it was all Jay Collier, but um, you know, I like to think of Jay Collier when we called his fights back in the day, he was a middleweight, you know, remember him and Andrew Sanchez out of St. Louis, Missouri, the bash brothers, you know, I thought Collier's hands looked great. And um, you know, he was able to get the submission and $50,000. You got to feel good for the father of three.
3: As a pro fighter, these are kind of the fights that you want to have. You want to have a few of these under your belt where you go in there and you take care of business, you know, bada bing, bada boom, didn't take any shots, you know, literally just went out there, textbook performance. He's ready for the next one, you know, ready to go right back into training, no injuries, no issues uh, from the fight anyway. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, just a real clean performance, man. Really well done.
4: So when the doctor comes over to you after a quick finish like that on a night where maybe there haven't been all these signature wins, you feel like maybe you got a bonus yeah. potential, you know. And I just I love those moments just as a viewer because oftentimes I'm in all the television traffic, I can't watch it, but you know you watch the 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 ringside position go over to Jay Colliers, everything good, and it's like oh yeah, everything's
3: fucking <laughs> great, oh, good, right bro. Now. Yeah, we're yeah. good. Man, well, it, it's especially good too because you look at the way Chase uh, Chase Sherman fights. Dude, he can drag you to hell, right? I oh, mean, yeah. he, he has this, yeah. he has this ability to make it a war. And when you're able to do it against someone like that, uh, it just makes it that much better.
4: Jay Call, you're out here, like, I'm gonna go crush that post-fight buffet, too. I'm no <laughs> longer a middleweight, I'm a heavyweight. All right, so Brandon Royval over Hogerio Bantarin by split decision. Close fight, entertaining fight as all Roy Vall and largely Bontarine encounters seem to be. Uh, what were your thoughts on this feature about it? Flyweight ultimately Roy Ball uh, continuing his ascent here.
3: I-, I did not know which way the judges yeah. were gonna go uh, you know, yeah. go uh in this fight. I-, I thought that both men had an argument uh, you know, for winning the fight. Um I, I think, you know, like a lot of people, uh, the judges were impressed with roival a a guy who just fights like he shot out of a cannon Uh, and he just doesn't stop moving man it's like trying to control a a four or five year old you know it's like he does not stop doing something like he'll be inside control and he's trying to hit you with elbows or hit you with his ass or hit you with his you know shoulder like he is scrappy as scrappy as they come and he's looking for the finish at all times i'm still a little concerned with him because I love the fact that he's aggressive. I love that. Um, he, he needs to just get a little bit more technical and stay within himself a little bit more. I don't know if it's um, losing too much of his emotional uh, connection to the fight or something, but uh, either way, he, he's a phenomenal fighter, and I love the way he fights, but uh, I think a, a more elite fighter is going to take advantage of some of those positions that he was giving up or some of those things where he was giving up, where he was getting hit with some big shots like that, that overhand. So he's got to be careful moving forward. I'd like to see maybe not more conservative, but a little bit more technically sound um, with his approach. But uh, it was a fun fight to watch. Both guys were going for it. uh, And uh, I just love Royville. He's always looking for the finish, man.
4: He had some interesting things to say after the fight, and he seemed to be emotional when he was saying them, but it sort of speaks to some of what you're saying, that he kind of just views these contests, and that's probably the worst word I could have used right there, but he views these fights as if he were in middle school. Like, all right, I'm going to be fighting that kid. Right. These people are rooting for me. Some are rooting against me, but that's sort of his mentality, that he's just going to fight somebody. And I do believe sort of going to a different depth in terms of, that might help him, but it's like, dude, how watchable is this guy? Like, imagine being a fight fan and being like, "Yeah, I don't really like watching Brandon Royval fight." You know, <laughs> right? Like, that exactly. kind of miserable bastard you gotta be. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like watching Brandon Roy ball fight. You know, dude, he's but, awesome to watch. He's a little Wolverine, man. A little honey badger. I love it. Actually, if you know what. At Anik Florian Pod, how about this? If you if you are so curmudgeonly that you don't enjoy watching Brandon Royball fight, you know someone will be like, "Yeah, I just think he's like a rat. I don't really like it." <laughs> you know? All right, if you don't like watching Brandon Royball fight at Anik Florian Pod, and if you can give me a thoughtful answer, I might even give you two tickets to a future paper. Hey, Royballs the man. Um, I did think it was close, though. I thought they might go Bontarine, yeah. You know, yeah, um, entertaining fight, and uh, I liked Bontarine's physicality. I like the flyweight division. I'm glad that it is seemingly here to stay. Um, all right, before we get to uh, to Raymond Peter Longo. Caitlin Shukagian has 10 UFC wins. They're all by decision. I feel like she's underappreciated because of that. Um, She leads the league in 30 to twenty sevens. You know, this was a clean performance and a domination of a fellow contender and former world title challenger. Um, You know, She's maybe forever. The bridesmaid is number two in the world, you know, Um, but I do think that another win would be what four in a row and you'd have no choice but to give her another championship opportunity. Any thoughts for us on Chukagian and Maya before we
3: uh, we get to the legend? Yeah, I was really uh, impressed with her. She was eating some big right hands from Maya, uh, but made the proper adjustments in in a couple different ways. First of all, her ability to put Maya on her back was the difference. And then when she started bringing her jab back into the equation. So great job in making the proper adjustments and doing what she had to do to win the rounds and win that fight. Uh, I thought it was an excellent performance. It it was not mistake-free, but uh, I, I still think it was an excellent performance. Uh, from someone who, yeah, I mean, another win, she just might get another championship shot. Why not?
4: All right, congratulations to uh, to Caitlin Chukagian and the entire corner. Our good buddy Mark Henry, diehard Buffalo Bills fan. I'm not sure if he's a season ticket holder, but he he's goes- He's laughing at us the- now. He was not at the game in five degree temperatures because he was cornering Caitlin Chukagian. So Mark, if you're listening, and I know you are, Congratulations, uh, you know <laughs> that was hard
2: thing. for you to
3: say, dude. That was. was hard. Well, I'm sitting on a, a,
4: on a big Buffalo Bills ticket, um, four hundred and fifty dollars at twelve to one oh. to win the Super Bowl. No, I do that. Obviously, I'm trying to, you know, yeah. take them out. Um, you but do. Do. Uh, you know, it's still alive right now, and uh, I don't know. They're probably going to Kansas City, um, but we'll see. That could not be the case, actually. By the time a lot of people are listening to this, all right, a lot to get to with Ray Longo. Of course, his thoughts on Calvin Cater, and it is actually fight week for uh, for Team Sarah Longo. We can't say Ray Longo fight team on the air anymore. So it is fight week for Team Sarah Longo. Let's get to Ray. It's
0: now time for the Ray Longo minutes. I want you to
1: punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want.
0: The Ray Longo minutes. John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast.
1: What up, Ray? Hey, what are we probing about? What do we got? What are we Everything. probing?
4: Talking about Dominic Cruz potentially getting turned around quickly. Um, could you take out your chewing gum if you don't mind? Is that too much to ask? I don't know. Maybe that is. Honestly, your supporters are so staunch that that's probably too much for me to
1: ask. Holy shit. They're going to well, rip you, you apart. Mouth,
4: you know? And I don't even care if on a Sunday night you center yourself up, you look handsome as usual. Like I'm not um, trying to mess with you when I ask you to chew your gum out, but we have a lot of people who ingest this show audio only. Now he's playing with his gum.
1: Yeah.
4: My wife <laughs> You know why, John?
1: Because I'm a two year old. That's why And God love you for it. God love you for I it. Tell you uh, what, I'm going backwards for sure. There's no question <laughs> about it. I, I know What was that movie? What was that movie called where the guy goes backwards? Benjamin Button? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm Benjamin whatever. Button, but I'm actually getting older, but I'm acting younger. It's a little different variation. Never grow up. It's yeah. a trap. Oh, by well, the time, yeah, I'll be down to one years old in about 10 years.
4: <laughs> well, you really do, though. You look great. I mean, it is amazing. You look our age, and you are a little bit older than us, but you look great. You look handsome. Uh, oh, wow. So you're wearing your Veracity Media Group t-shirt, uh, oh, which course. we appreciate. Right. Listen, uh, I'm o- a team teams. player,
1: period. Team yeah. player.
4: All right, so I have a list of six items to get to with you today. I'd like to start with the Methuen, Massachusetts product, Calvin Cater. Wow. I mean, those Bostonians are tough up there, huh? Uh, what else can you say about him coming back from where he was a year ago with that type of performance as an underdog against a then 7-0 and in the UFC, Giga Chikadze? Uh,
1: man, what what can you say? What a performance. Um Really interesting. Look, I said it last week. When you told me the guy was an underdog, is he a live underdog? I'm like, I didn't think he should even be an underdog. I thought that was a pick'em fight, to be honest with you, just based on all the guys Calvin beat. And uh, I know Chikazi was on a run, and I love the guy. I think technically he's awesome to watch. But, uh, oh, man, that guy is Boston tough, man. He he represents you guys about as good as anybody ever could. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look. I actually, believe it or not, I actually thought Calvin looked a little off last night, even in that performance. I thought, I don't know if he hurt his hands, but I thought he was holding back that right hand the last two rounds. He must have thrown a lot of jabs and all those elbows. I don't know if that's because his hands were hurt or he just didn't respect what, what uh, Chikazi was going to do again. But, you know, very, very interesting fight, right, Kenny? Because here's the here's the question. If he doesn't slip in that first round, is that a different fight? That's where – because he definitely had a breakdown, I think, after – and that's a classic example when they say you should have zigged when you should have zagged, that type of deal. Man, did Calvin fight IQ 10-plus. He jumped on that, rode that guy out for three minutes, and that could have broke him. It was either that or Shikazi hit those body kicks early, and that guy just didn't even flinch. He walked right through him, so – I don't know. That was a great fight for a uh, Calvin Cater coming off a really uh you know, a really hard beating that uh Holloway put on him, you know. So you know, I think now Chikazi's in the same spot he's in. He just went through a five round war. He's gonna have to regroup. Yeah. And I think if they give him a guy as tough as Cater again, he's he's that's gonna that's gonna we'll see what he's made out of.
4: You always have an interesting take. Um, producer Cody writes to us that he thought Tyson Chartier was asking Calvin after the second or third, if he could still go maybe a fractured hand or something. And of course it's all speculation, um, but Calvin to does have John. yeah, it had to be
1: something. Cause I'm telling you right now, if he's got that right hand that fights over before the end of the fight, I thought he just, he jabbed the crap out of him and, I, there were a million opportunities for that right hand that I think he would have gotten. So I was I was confused with that. And he did say after the fight, too, he felt like shit, but all good. So right, I something right. was wrong. I, right. I, I'm telling you, he, he did a, he a great fight, but either that fight with Holloway took a little something out of him or he was just a little off to me because I think he's sharp as hell. And he, you know, he's yeah. one of my favorite fighters. Who doesn't love watching Calvin fight, man? Yeah. You know, that, that was a great fight, man. The fans won big on that.
4: And you got Cater down now. You were calling him Calvin Qatar for uh, for three years, but Cater, you got well, it down just,
1: yeah, Calvin Qatar plays the guitar, something there like that. Go.
4: Yeah. There it's always go. interesting to hear your analysis juxtaposed against Ken Flows, and I think you're spot on in a lot of respects, at least as far as the post-fight footage that I ingested. He could barely crack a smile after the win, so that sort of yeah,
1: jives with what you're saying. Something, something was off, and he went into – I mean, he he has to hold the record for the most elbows thrown in a fight. Now, I was just he, gonna ask. And I mean how like, many? He, I wrote yeah, down how many elbows did he throw? Oh, I think he threw. Oh, you know what the answer is?
4: No, I was literally writing on my sheet of paper here. How many elbows can one man throw in a 20? Yeah, yeah.
1: But you see, the difference is when Kenny used to throw an elbow. Man, that guy was split wide open. Right, fights over. I get the here. Yeah, yeah, Kenny wasn't like a three-stitch elbow guy. He was like 70 (laughs) stitches. When he caught you, you got to check his elbows. He never fight fair. You That's had razor favorite. blades, you had razor blades in those elbows, buddy. <laughs> still <laughs> does, still does. Yeah, I'm telling you, because look how many, I'm telling you, the guy landed over 20 elbows easy. Yeah. Oh,
4: That's yeah, fun. no, for sure. And some of them uh, with a lot of velocity and very accurately. Uh, yeah, I could, I yeah could Ken Flow, Ken Flow, make you go get some stitches. And even when he didn't cut you wide open, you know. Do you remember obviously the the Lozon fight? Lozon's looking up at the jumbotron at the swelling on his head and it's like, Yeah, you're pretty swollen, you know, can't flow don't play. Um yeah. all right. In the nature remember, of time. John, I remember
1: ahead. that night like it was yesterday. Cause I know Kenny, <laughs> you got out there very early, right? Yes, yes, you're acclimate. Exactly. Yeah, I yes, remember that. Because exactly. I had George Saudaropoulos on that card. Yep. Who was a cardio machine. And that guy's lips were blue after the first
3: round. <laughs> yeah. Right. At
1: that altitude is no joke. It is. Yeah. No joke. So
4: yeah. people get upset when I say, oh, we got to move on or whatever. Right. As if like, why, why, why can't you give Longo 45 minutes? You're like, what <laughs> where, what are you, John, where, where are you going? You got to go like put kids to bed. It's like, yeah, well, I got, you know, can't be here forever. Uh, I want to hold I off on the. Line. All right. Well, I, yeah, I never know how much time we have with you. No, no. I'm saying team. I love
1: the nighttime.
4: You like the primetime show. Hell yeah. All right, third primetime show. Night out. Program. Yeah. I love it. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to get to 270 just yet because I have to get to one, Marab Dwalish Willie, the candy man, the boogeyman at 135 pounds. But if you go to his Instagram page, um, Badly injured my clavicle bone, and the x-rays don't look good, by the way, if you scroll. Um, Fortunately, no surgery is necessary. Lots of physical therapy and time to heal. I will be back stronger than before. There's no doubt he'll be back stronger. Um, Anything for us on how long he might be out? It looks to be a pretty significant injury, despite the fact that it won't require uh, the knife.
1: Well, last week he texted me saying he needs surgery. Did something to his clavicle and the tendons were all ripped off or something like that. And then he came to the gym, maybe like three days ago, and he said, "No, I'll be back. I'll be back in two weeks." Oh. Like the guy is, no, John! I swear, the guy go two weeks from what? Like after the, <laughs> no, no, really. And then so and then uh, Jamie Franco, who uh, you know, he's the wrestling yep. coach at Hofstra. Uh, he goes, oh, I had the same thing, and he pops open his show, showing his bone is sticking out. There. He goes, No, oh, no surgery. So, I almost think he won up Marab to where Marab's well, if he didn't have surgery, <laughs> I don't I would say. I, oh, I'm not no. even joking, I don't even know. Because as of that, right then, he was having surgery. The next day, he was out in Vegas, he said, No surgery, physical therapy. So, that's all I know. Is he did come in, he said something about it now, two weeks, he didn't even, I, you wouldn't never known that anything was wrong with him.
4: We got to get those x-rays to Dr. Gus Florian and see if uh, (laughs) not necessarily his chosen field. I'd like to get Dr. Gus Florian to look at the fucking x-rays. if We could do that. That'd be great. Um, But no, I mean, Marab, it's like, of course, he's going to opt out of surgery. You know, it's almost like just, you know, I don't know. I'm no doctor, but that scares me because he's a true machine. He's just right.
1: And we we need him, John Farrell, That's why I'm glad the fight actually got pushed back because that gives us extra time to get, because Marab would have been wow. out of that training camp. So, uh, you know, we still got a lot of good guys lined up. Naoki's coming back, and we have some other guys I was thinking of bringing in. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, Marab is always great for that cardio push.
4: No, I didn't even think about that angle. Uh, that's, yeah, that
1: was crazy. That's the first thing that hit me, and I think he'll do anything to get back to help Aljo. So I think that's the route he's looking at.
4: All right, UFC 270 beckons here on Saturday night. Uh, it is fight week for Matt, the steamroller for Vola. Not sure if his father, Sal, the bulldozer for Vola is going to be there. Or not presumably oh, so.
1: He's going to be there and he wants to meet you. I was just with him he today. He wants to meet me. He wants to meet John Anik in wow. the worst way. Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. How far down the list is that request? huh? Of all, right? of all the fighters and special people, he wants to meet me. I do shout the guy out. Oh, no. Without me. a
1: doubt. No, no joke. 100%. All right,
4: Well, that's nice to hear. That. Let's Sal, go, Sal.
1: It's not a big deal to meet John. <laughs> it really I is mean, not. It really he's gonna is, be so disappointed. It's just gonna no.
4: it's really <laughs> underwhelming meeting your hero. <laughs> you know, it really is just <laughs> awful. Uh so it is fight week for Matt Frivola for team Sara Longo. What can you tell us? I know you were with him today. Final shakeout or whatever the hell you guys call it. Uh, what can you tell us about uh the steamroller as you guys get ready for wheels up to uh to Anaheim?
1: I think uh I mean, I really, I stayed with him this whole camp because I think there's a do or die fight for him. And uh, I think you're going to see some improvements. I, I hope, I mean, I think I made some adjustments that he's got to execute uh, during the fight. But I, I I hope we'll see a different uh, Matt Fravola. He's a great kid. I had a great time with him. And uh, I think he cleared out some wrinkles in his game. So we'll see what happens. But he's got to do it, right?
4: He is a modest two ten betting favorite against Renato Valdez. What can you tell us about Valdez?
1: Yeah, he's a he likes to brawl. He swings his way into the takedowns. That's you know basically it. Like not the most technical guy, but looks like he's got the heart, a lot of heart and uh determination. But he's not technically good, but he's he's gonna be there for sure. And he will make it a, a dirty fight if he has to. Uh and, and Favola is the favorite. Minus two ten. That's big. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, man, that's good. That's really good, because he had a couple of losses recently. Right, so that, that's right. big. Yeah,
3: right. so
4: that's. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Ken Flo. Sorry,
3: oh, sorry, um, Ray. I, I was curious uh, how you were going to go in the main event. Uh, how do you think this fight between Engano and Gon, uh is going to go down?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cyril Gon on this, and I'll tell you why. The only thing I don't like, and you guys will probably agree, I hate when they leak that footage of somebody getting why they always like the other guy always wins then like that and that but you know you right, know what i'm saying right. I, I just went back to cody garbrandt and Dillashaw like i knocked them down and you know right I, right I, I dude it's almost but i still think Gon's gonna do it because GaN's not the guy that really uh released that i think it was his coach and, and even cyril said that The guy's a completely different fighter from back then. So his head is in the right spot. He's not using that as like, I knocked him down. I'm going to beat him again. I think he's a very intelligent fighter. I think he'll be able to control the pace of that fight. Um, And I think you're going to see something in between the Black Beast and Engano. I think it's going to be similar. It's going to obviously, there's a lot of patience with these two guys because Engano can end the fight at any time. But I think he'll be able to create more offense than um, uh, the Black Beast with his movement, and he's pretty quick and he, he's, he's agile for a big guy, and he looks like he gets it. And uh, I'm picking gun on this one. Right, so has
4: yeah. like gone over two and a half rounds. You like a longer fight here, Ray? Yes, yes
1: I think they're going to be. I think it's going to be like the Black Beast, but again, he's going to do more than that. He could, you know, he could chew up that leg without, you know, getting in harm's way, and he's got a couple other things I think he could do.
3: Ray, in case anyone else who's listening is is out of the loop like I am, uh b- break down this video that was leaked. What what happened? It was sparring footage of those guys going yeah, at it. What he, what yeah,
1: happened? He might have got hit with an elbow with elbow pads on and kind of wobbled a little bit. Gone Gon got hit and dropped, or, or... no? Engano
2: gone Okay, Cyril, Cyril
1: gone and Engano. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Yeah, leaked footage guy never wins though, right? Right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I like
1: that out. at all. That's the <laughs> only thing I got going against gotcha. my pick is that. Right. But I like the way Cyril handled that. Very, very professional. I think uh he's got a really good head on his shoulders. They're gonna match yeah. up in size pretty well. The fact that they did train together takes out the um you know, the Mike Tyson factor, you know, where you're losing the fight before you even get in there with this guy. Yeah. So I think You know what you're a, dealing with. Yeah, you know what yeah. you're dealing with. It's a little yeah. different. When you don't know what you're dealing with, then like you can't take many of those shots, but
4: and but man, if any guy seems immune to that whole Tyson factor, it seems like Cyril Ghosn, you know, uh, yeah. could not have been less phased like fighting Derek Lewis, however yeah. imposing yeah. the most decorated I mean, knockout it. artist in UFC history in his backyard. It totally. Right.
1: And you got to go by common opponents and Cyril Gunn had no problem walking him down and getting what he wanted. But Francis was definitely like they were, that yeah. fight was horrible. Like nobody, I don't even know if there was a punch thrown.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Worst fight I've ever called, Gabriel Gonzaga, Constantine Erokin in the heavyweight division. <laughs> Check it out, UFC Fight Pass. Oh, no. <laughs> Good color on you, Ray, that red. Um. So where will you be for the main event? You got a red eye back to New York. At least right now, the way the fight card shakes out, you guys are second fight of the night.
1: Yeah. Uh. No, I'm going the uh, next day at like Ooh. Two o'clock. So, I don't know. We're hanging All out. Right. So,
4: yeah. Maybe we should know, hang out know. and eat some chicken wings and, uh, yeah,
1: maybe a glass of Chardonnay. You a white wine guy? Yeah. No. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What, what's oh. the last alcoholic beverage you had? What was it? Uh, I'm going to say it was, um, gray goose on the rocks. All right. Nice.
4: Mine was a modelo brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Wow. I had a P three protein snack. Oh the no, man, the you're
1: that shameless at this point. Oh, so, man. so you had the. Uh, no, so you, <laughs> had the same, you had the three. You had the same thing I had, a piece of. He's bologna warming up, and up and for piece. this weekend, Ray. He's yeah, warming up P, for this
2: weekend. P three, <laughs> yeah. <a> piece of. <laughs>
1: hey, Penny, the P three, a piece of bologna and three almonds. I, mean, I don't know. Wait. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Oh, I always feel so full when I eat one of those. Things. Yeah. Right.
4: Hey. A lot of protein.
1: Ray Salty, so they didn't know, give him the voiceover option.
3: They gave it to Sarah for the Aljo commercial.
1: Spider's got to cut weight. A lot of yeah. a lot of protein, probably about three <laughs> glands. <laughs> how much protein, though, Kenny? How much protein does bologna have in it?
2: I
3: have no idea. Not much. Not uh, much. I mean, what is this? So like a little piece of bologna, about that yeah, big. Like, like a quarter.
1: Like, it's ham like ham got a, piece, a quarter size like bologna. A, like you got a, three almonds. You know, piece cheese. of cheddar cheese, the size of a dice. Yeah, my daughter would be
3: all over it. My my daughter would love a P3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My Dr. Daughter, Florian. loves it too, I make Dr. It.
4: Florian doesn't eat it, but he would come on here and tell you that it's got 12 <laughs> grams of protein and you guys should at least eat it.
3: All right. All right. Oh, well, that's fair enough. That's decent. Uh, that's yeah. good. Gus they just
4: texted me. He's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, what, you got something else right about the P3 front or what?
1: <laughs> are you are you offended? No, by the P3? Not
2: at all.
4: I brought it up. I brought it up. Um, people have a lot of amazing jokes about uh, P3. They say Anik only feeds his kids P3. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, those kids wouldn't be doing too good if that was the case. Well, you're better, you're better off.
4: With a... <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: we, well, we just lost them as a I, Yeah, yeah, right? uh, yeah. Oscar
4: no. Meyer. P three sponsorship for Ray Longo,
1: North. Yeah, exactly. Ending. You're I'm better dead. off with a. You're better off with spam, <laughs> and a glass of formaldehyde. How's that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Kenny's, <laughs> go. Kenny's having. Kenny's on fire.
3: I'm literally crying right now.
1: That's yeah. so oh
2: good. Right? All right. Wait,
1: what, what's the odds on Cyril Gano and Engano? Uh, you tell us what you think it is. Do you have no idea? I'm saying Engano's uh a minus one forty. No, he's the underdog. Is he the underdog? Wow! Yeah. Oh man! Have
4: That's you weird. asked anyone in your fighting circle who they think's going to win that fight, or have you had any discourse? No, yeah. you guys are just focused on what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. This know is just could... like podcast pod, right? This is just the filler in life. What we're doing oh, right yeah. now, bullshit, yeah. right? John New was Indians?
3: was gone Gano ever the favorite at any point dur- during during the, when the odds came out? No,
4: I believe it opened fairly close, but okay. gone uh, was bet pretty quickly into favorite territory and has even been bet up over the last 24 hours or so. Gone oh. is minus one fifty okay, and Francis Ngannou is plus one thirty. So uh, very interesting. Very interesting.
1: Over under. What's the over under
4: over under two and a half rounds right now?
1: Yeah. What, what's As the we order? in
4: the business like to say, it's a little bit yeah. juice to the under, if you know what that means. What was Price that? Is a little bit steeper on the under. So if you go over two and a half rounds, it's minus 105. If you go under two and a half rounds, minus 125. You got to put down a little bit more to win 100 bucks. Um, yeah. All right. Before I let you go, we have a trilogy. To That's be brilliant. completed. I mean, they could fight four times. I don't know that they will. But Davison and Figueredo is a plus 155 underdog against Brandon Moreno, who is minus 180. Now, my large thesis statement on Davison and Figueredo from a gambling perspective has been like, I'd love to see him on the scale first. Right. But plus 155 is a huge number next to his name. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the co-main event before we let you get back to your uh, your gray goose rocks? Oh, wow. I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Moreno again. All right. Thanks. Thankfully, you're not on television. They would say that was a little too brief an answer. But that's well, okay. I mean,
1: look, look, I try to keep it on the mental side. I don't want to. You want me to get technical with
4: No, uh, I don't need your technical. 8, Eight o'clock at night on a Sunday. No, I don't need your technical uh, breakdown at all.
1: You know? Um you all know, right, Well, these uh, words like, you know, uh, defensive responsibility now. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I should have. Shit, they just, you know, this this whole fucking woke culture. They just make up terms. I don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, distance management. What the hell? Is, oh, range. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, we've been saying that for about 200 years. Now it's distance man. Oh, I saw John put a lime in his dress. Oh, I mean, are you guys? <laughs> if you use why? big words, you sound smarter. 100%. That's, that's right. yeah, that's, I like that. Yeah. I can't
4: so, even imagine what type of trash you're talking about the commentators when you're watching these uh, live
1: events, right? John, it's not good. Well, but so much of my I, life. I, I always say this if the world ever really knew who I was, they'd hate me. <laughs> right? He's a bad,
4: bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, my twin brother says to me all the time, it's like it's amazing people think you're like the nice guy to whatever degree in this space. Like you, you are you're the not. nice
1: guy in this space. <laughs> Yeah. All right, we'll,
4: uh, hey, I wish you guys safe travels to the uh, West Coast. I look forward to seeing you. And maybe we can uh, maybe break bread after the fights on Saturday night. Um, well, you got to get this one home for the steamroller. You know, I'm
1: really invested in this. I, I'm, I'm hoping the steamroller comes through. So I think he, he had a great camp. He's healthy. Uh, I'll see him again tomorrow. And then that's it. When By the do you way, get have to a-
4: uh, Tuesday, early Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Tuesday.
4: Yep. Hookers Tuesday. Not now. Oh, Tuesday. Hooker
1: Tuesday. No. Wow. I tell you, I, I got to do this was a nice guy right up, up until the statement
4: by the time it gets to, uh, this stage of the night, I was going to say, how about how about Caitlin Shukagian with 10 UFC wins, by the way? You know, like she just dominates. Right. And I she's exceedingly fun to watch. Like, I think she's getting more fun to watch. She, you know,
1: listen, she I I believe she bought a lot in the gym at my gym. She bought Jenny Nadell and uh, Mia, another girl we have in the gym Uh Every week she was in there sparring. I think they gave her great work for that fight, and she was trying different stuff. She was she didn't want to move as much. I know you guys were alluding, or somebody was alluding to that. You weren't there, but uh, she was. She did sit down on that right hand a couple of times. I think she she connected once and missed a couple of times, but she, I thought she looked different. She was willing to sit in the pocket, mm-hmm. uh, and I loved the way she used the teep and the front kicks just to off-balance her coming yeah. in. Yeah, great fight, oh,
4: great performance. Yeah, Kempfle and I were not on commentary. Do you think we were on the fucking sticks on Saturday yeah.
1: night? <laughs> I don't we're know. We're not there. We're there right. as you guys
4: are talking shit. Kenny and I weren't there, by the way. We were home.
1: Oh no, 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 you had to oh. see uh, Bisbing and Cruz just bickering at each other. It is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable.
4: I was on mute. They don't do their homework, so I was watching it on. Ah!
1: Well, no. Let me tell you something, John. Nobody does their homework. With you. That's that's no. That's not going to ever happen.
4: Thank you, Ray. No, everybody works. They all work, you know, and I didn't watch on mute, you know, or maybe I did because I was watching the New England Patriots get fucking foot stomped on the curb by
1: the Buffalo Bills last night. Wow. <laughs> did not know that.
2: So sorry yeah. to
1: hear that. Uh yeah. What a shame, Kenny. <laughs> yeah. But you had Calvin, Tater. Yes. Yeah. At least we That's got something. You needed. Right. Yeah. That's the heart of Boston right there. Yeah, he did. Amazing. Really go. amazing. I tell you, can't, you know, Well, he He's deserves started. a title shot. He really does. That'll be a good fight. Him and Volkanowski. Yeah.
4: All right. Real quick. 30 yeah. seconds in the nature of good content. 823 p.m. Eastern right now on a Sunday night. What is the rest of your night hold? You don't go to bed till probably two or three o'clock in the morning. What are you going to go do right now?
1: Well, We're going to watch a little family TV. OK, the finale of Yellow Jackets. All right. I excited.
4: Yeah, it's a good show. All Thank right.
1: You. I love it. Yeah, it's good.
4: All right. Well, uh, have a great evening. Thank you for your time. I look forward to uh, to shaking your hand, uh, you know, in the face of Omicron
1: in a few days. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, let's just switch that to a knuckle bump if you don't mind. That's fine. Whatever you want. Okay, good. Yeah. All
4: right. Hey, much it's love, nice man. Fun. We appreciate you. And uh, thanks for, uh, for being here on a Sunday night. I'll see you in a few days.
1: Good luck, right, love Greg. you guys, man. Take
4: care. Love you too, brother. There he is. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. All right. Time for the pronunciation of the week before we make our selections for UFC 270 as we welcome on Cody Merrow, who has the nerve to wear New England Patriots <laughs> merchandise.
2: <as he laughs>
4: I'm in my chair. Not very proud uh, of him right now. Good to see
0: you, buddy. Yeah, I don't have my Bucks jersey on.
4: <laughs> right. That would have been the one. All right, well, uh, let's get to the pronunciation of the week. This is a flyweight. She fights out of Ontario, Canada. Had a win on Dana White's Contender Series last September. Now makes her UFC debut this weekend. It's the first fight of the night, at least right now, at UFC 270. She fights 22-year-old Kay Hansen. Now, Cody, I know you watch the Contender Series from time to time. Um, perhaps you know this name. Who am I talking about? You don't know this name.
0: No.
3: Yes, Kenny? No, I was laughing. Oh, uh, uh, well, yeah, no. So,
4: I don't know if you could tweet us at Anik Florian pod. How many of you are solely audio only in terms of this program, but I feel like I should spell Jasmine's last name because for a lot of people, it's like, what is it? So it's spelled J A S U D A V I C I U S.
0: Whoa. It's just First Canadian, name, Jasmine. So she's Canadian. i not much help
4: there. Cody, who are we talking about though?
0: Lithuanian origin, Jasmine
2: Jasutavicius.
4: Right. So it looks like Jasutavicius. So if you don't cheat, and Cody clearly hasn't cheated, right? But it's so I'm getting the ready to I'm voice wrong. this show, Ken Flow. Right? He's like, all right, Jasmine Jasutavicius. Right? Because I didn't see her fight on the Contender Series. I'll watch it this week. So I'm like, all right, Jasmine. All right. So let's hear how Jasmine pronounces her name, Cody. Jasmine
5: Jasdavisius.
0: Jasmine,
3: Jazz Divisius. Jazz Divisius.
0: Right. Oof. So nobody's getting that.
3: Right. I mean, right. Yeah, you're except
0: only two. maybe Joe Martinez. Joe Martinez might knock uh, that out of the park.
4: I guess if you're like a Jeopardy, like word origin root guy, you could look at just Sudavicious on paper and say it as Jazz Divisius. But I got to stop pronouncing it the wrong way because in a few days, I got to say Jazz Divisius without phonetics. But yeah, man. So nickname, That's our Jazzy. world, so wow. people like seem to like the pronunciation of the week. All right, it is just about time. Thank you, Cody, for uh, UFC 270 heavyweight title fight between the undefeated Seattle Gon, the knockout king, and champion Francis Ngannou. Now, Ngannou is the bigger power threat, but really for both of these guys, it could only take one punch to win, and the same goes for you at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $1 and win $100 in free bets if either fighter lands a single punch. Also, if you'd rather bet this weekend's football playoff games instead, DraftKings has a special offer for you there. New customers can get 56-1 to 1 odds on any playoff team. You bet just $5 on one team, and you will get $280 in free bets if your team wins. How do you not like that? I'm cold as ice, but 5 bucks on one team, $280 in free bets if your team wins. So much going on in sports right now. Good time to get in on the action Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code JohnAnik, one word, J-O-N-A-N-I-K. Throw down just $1 on the UFC 270 main event and win $100 in free bets if Gon or in gone land a single punch. That is code JohnAnik this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. All right, UFC 270, Honda Center, Anaheim, California, 1-22-22. Let us get to the Main Event Challenge. It's the Main Event
0: Challenge. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win.
3: The Main Event Challenge.
0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian
2: Podcast.
4: And what an absolute privilege. Like I'm not worthy to be joined by both of these guys for this segment every week, but we are now joined by UFC veteran, James Krause, who is home from Las Vegas. So I knew you were working this weekend and you were cornering and one of the best coaches in the business, obviously. Now, had I known that you had four guys impeding, and I know one of them was obviously stepping up and stepping in, you know, here I am barking at you, trying to get you on a Sunday night. I feel like a complete dick, but here you are, uh, you know bringing our average age down a lot <laughs> up. Um, a welcome, home. <laughs> welcome home um you know a lot of up and down this weekend but dude that had to be kind of a whirlwind of a night four of 11 or so fights were yours
0: yeah man listen it's I, this is what i tell people it's like and i'm getting better about this i really am i made a post about this not too long ago but it's such a roller coaster of a game because like we had a lot of success last year and with success You know, with wins comes tougher opponents and tougher opponents, come the the margin of error goes down. If the margin of error goes down, one mistake can cost you the whole fight. So, uh, you know, we didn't do great this weekend, but I I said this in my Instagram post. Like that doesn't always tell the whole story of, you know, what, you know, Kenny can attest to this. Just because you lose doesn't doesn't tell the whole story of what these guys are doing behind the scenes. They're doing all the right things. Just, you know, we had some tough, tough matchups, took one on three days notice. And then we had a couple really, really killer prospects in there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like that sometimes. So he's got to adapt and, uh, and overcome. But for me, it was a really cool experience. I got to coach four guys on there. I've done three a few times in the UFC. I've done 15 before on my own show. Uh, but that's Dang. different. I got a lot of help, man. I got a lot of help, you know. But, but here, it, it was crazy, man. It, it, especially with Kroom taking the last-minute fight, we didn't have coaches come. You know what I mean? It was, it, was, it was literally a thing like, hey, can you get on a plane? Can You have a flight in an hour and 15 minutes. Can you make that? You know, it was, it was pretty wow.
4: crazy. So it's nuts. And he was competitive. Yeah. You know, he should be commended. So, really uh, yeah, no, you should be, man. All right. So you posted on social media 48 hours ago. I mean, you got a hot microphone. I got to ask you about this. A picture of yourself, hands humbly behind your back. The caption read <laughs> one more yeah. or not.
2: Yeah. Um
4: That sounds to me like maybe you're getting the itch a little bit or not.
2: Yeah,
0: the itch is it. Listen, man, this is the hardest part. of, And I bet Kenny can tell you this. This is the hardest part about the sport is that it's, I don't think it ever goes away. And that's, that's the problem. That's the, that is the problem, right? Is it's, it's, uh, and so for me, I think the best way, like anytime you're getting rid of something, and I think people, this is, we're going to go into AA real quick. I think you deal with addiction. You can't just pull somebody away. You got to replace, right? Like, so you can't just pull something. You have to replace with something. And for me, competing as a coach now is, is that's how I get my, that's how I get right. my, you know, my dopamine. And, uh, but, you know, especially when I, when we walk in those crowds, oh man, that, that walk with the crowd is what gets me. That's what gets me fired up. And, uh, man, it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough. So it's, uh, if I, if I did ever fight again, it would just be one more. And, uh, you know, the, and, and I, the thing is, is like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to fight. I don't want to, like, it's not that I don't want to fight. It's I have everything that I've asked for to leave this sport. I have it right now. The only thing that I don't have, and the only reason I would come back, would just be to get some closure. Like because my last fight, I didn't know it was going to be my last fight. You know, it'd be like, right? Hey, guys, this will be my last one. I'm done. You know, but if I lose, no way, I'm retiring. I'm not. I'm not going to retire off a loss. It's not going to happen. And then, and then right. you get back into the
3: right. Right. You get
0: back into the vicious cycle again, and that's—I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Right. So it's
3: really tough right. for me. You know, right. has to be—it's got it's it like to be a perfect to, scenario. It's like trying to leave the mafia. You know,
2: they drag <laughs> you back. It really, in. Yeah, it really exactly. is. It really yeah. is.
4: All right, so the breaking news, the headline is Kraus refuses to fight at the apex, right?
2: He <laughs> <It> needs Ha! <hits.
4: laughs> no, I'm with you, though, right? Like, if it is going to be the last one or one of the last one, you know, I can understand why yeah. guys would prioritize that. It's a huge part of things. Uh, I don't even want to get into the whole octagon size thing, um, but, like... You know, I feel like we need one uniform octagon,
0: man. It's real. You know? It's a real thing. It's a real thing. That that, and I try to tell everybody this: that and Fight Island, the real factor, they're they're not only factors; they're real factors. Like, yeah, could change, could possibly change.
3: How the fight takes place. These
0: are real crazy.
3: things. Dude, especially at the elite level where all yeah. those little things matter. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. A bad hair day could be the difference. It's crazy. Oh, yeah.
4: The yeah. last undisputed UFC heavyweight championship fight between Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic was in a 25 foot octagon at the Apex with no fans. It's insane. That's like DC, regional level. Si- like, uh, it's nuts, man. It's Thank, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Listeners, take it from him and not from me. DC and Stipe completed their trilogy in a regional octagon, you know? That's and. Crazy. Joe Silva always wanted the little guy, and Dana was resistant to that sort of hope of Joe Silva's. You know, obviously, in the big arenas, you need the thirty footer. You know, a lot of fans, I think, ask why we can't put the thirty footer in the apex. I think there's something to do logistically with the production and the lighting. I'm not, I don't know, right? I mean, that could be solved, right? Uh, but and then there's a lot of people who are like, no, you get more finishes in the little guy. But I love that. So it sounds to me like you would prefer the larger octagon. Is that?
0: Uh, I'm indifferent on which one, you but just it, want it, one. it, I don't care. Uh, uh I just, it doesn't matter to me. It's just, it's a, it's a thing. It's a factor. Yeah, right, you know what I mean? It's right. like if I were to take, if I were to take, uh, say, we say, hey, no takedowns. That, that is a, right, right, a big right. factor that could change how this fight is taking place. So, to me, I'm indifferent on. Just tell me the rules.
2: Right.
0: And I, I'll be honest with you guys. I actually like that it changes. I, any, any for me, I'm very good at adapting and and setting new game plans. So I feel like a lot of the. I, I, and this is like a transitional thing from old school coaching to new school coaching I feel like a lot of the old school guys they dismiss little things like that and, and it's like oh it's, it's nothing it's not going to matter you just stay behind your jab or you know what I mean like bullshit it matters it's a real thing yeah. and I like that it changes like if you think for one second that you're going to stick you know you're just going to stay by, behind your jab in a 25 foot cage it's a lot harder to do than in a 30 foot cage and it doesn't sound like much but it's not 5 feet it's 5 feet all around and it's a lot of space
3: guys it's a lot know your space. terrain know your environment And I
4: want to ask Ken Flo sort of which cage he'd rather compete in. But like as a fan, James, I sort of see your point. But as a competitor, it's like, you know, is he going to have certain NBA games on a smaller court? I mean, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fought against Gilbert Burns in a 30-footer, and he fought yep. against Bilal Muhammad in a 25-footer. Now, you can argue that Bilal's win was more impressive, you know, but to me, to beat a striker like Wonderboy in a 30-footer the way Gilbert Burns did, you know, 100%. that's a
0: whole different thing. Well, if you guys if you guys remember watching when COVID, uh, when COVID first happened, if you guys remember watching the NBA with no fans, different people were hot. Like, it, it's a real that's thing, true. man. True. It is a real real thing and for for people to dismiss it is absolutely insane especially it favors the wrestlers a ton and it forces you to fight like there is no like footwork doesn't matter as much and that's why we talked about last week with the with the chukagian fight i said she has a very very educated lead hand and she has good feet is it as big of a factor it makes me worry a little bit more right. i still think she's going to get it done i was spot on with that yeah, fight yep. just educated lead hand and good feet got it done but if it was in a 30-foot cage it would have been even worse no doubt in my mind
4: Kenny, you competed in both. Obviously, did you recall thinking much about that at the time?
3: Uh, it it depends, right? Because it also depends on what your strategy is and who you're fighting. You know, if you are fighting a guy who is, um, I don't know, wrestling heavy, for example, I would I would prefer uh, a larger octagon so I could use my feet. I got more room to move, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm looking to take someone down uh, and initiate more clinches than i would prefer a smaller cage so it really depends and like james said it's like i don't know if you're a true mixed martial artist you have more options at your disposal and you should be able to adjust um if you are kind of a one-trick pony or you kind of fight the same all the time then i would think you would probably want some kind of consistent cage or yeah. consistent size so yeah um it, it really matters who you're fighting uh and yeah what your approach is
4: yeah, yeah. Interesting conversation. All right. First updated standings of 2022. New scoring system. So uh, both had Giga Chikadze, if I'm not mistaken. I know, James, you were very convicted. The fight would at the very least go over two and a half rounds, and it certainly did. Uh, We give you credit for that. Um, Minus 2.3 units, though, for both of you on that fight. Uh, Krause, you did have Caitlin Chukagin as the favorite. Kemflo took a shot with Jennifer Maya, And then you both had Brandon Royval uh, versus Hogerio Bonturin. Uh, so one unit a piece gained there. Um so to begin the year, Team Krause at, at minus point three units. Team Florian is at minus two point three. And you
0: lucky you nope. didn't give me the you're lucky you didn't give me the prop because I actually pictured my decision too. That was minus one thirty-five.
4: I know we got to figure out a way for you guys to because it is it's not true that you're both in the minus, you know, but uh it is what it is, you know. And all I yeah. can do is uh, you know, go by what we have on paper. All right. We spin it forward, UFC 270. The card has undergone some changes. We got four picks for you today on fights that we do expect to end up on the pay-per-view main card. Uh, We'll start at Bantamweight, James. Saeed Nurmagomedov, minus 200. Cody Stamen plus 170. A little background on Saeed Nurmagomedov. Three and one of the UFC. Has not fought, though, in a long time. Since October of 2020, Visa issues pulled him out of a fight with Jack Shore that was to go down last September. On the other side, he got Stamen making his tenth UFC appearance. James, what do you think?
0: Who's this one lost to?
4: In the UFC Cameron. for Nurmagomedov, yeah. I'll get that for you uh, okay. in a matter uh, of moments.
0: Yeah, so so I got to be honest with you guys. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Cody Stamen. I like Cody Stamen a lot, and I think it takes a certain style to beat him. And I think uh, Nur, uh, Nurmagomedov has that style, but man, there's a lot of X factors in with his game that I don't like. Um, and that, that, that one loss is to Ronnie Uh, and that's a really tough, he's good. Uh, he's really good. You know, I just, I, I really like Cody Stamon, man. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are going to beat him. So I'm going to try to get some plus money here. I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, Nurmagomedov won this fight at all, but I don't feel like the line is just, you know, I feel like Cody kind of gets disrespected, uh, often. And, uh, I, I think he's plus one seventy. I'm going to take. I'm going to ta- I'm going to take the plus money
4: here. I agree with your assessment. He's nineteen four and one overall. Ken Flo, and it's a big pressure spot too, which you like. I mean, you know, he's a hard worker, but his back is kind of up against the proverbial wall, right? Back to back losses. Jimmy Rivera, and then more recently, Marab Dwaleshwi. What do you think about Stamen here against Saeed Magomedov?
3: Yeah, listen, I, I think that uh, James is right. I think that Cody is very much um, underrated. I, I think that. Uh, he's got some well-rounded skills. Obviously, has that wrestling background. Um, sometimes he gets, um, you know, he, he gets a little off balance in some of his strikes, which opens him uh, opens him up to takedowns and stuff. And that's where he's going to have to be really careful here against Nurmagomedov. But um, yeah, I, I could, I definitely see why James is is picking him. Uh, this is not out of uh, the realm of possibility that Cody wins this fight. Uh, but uh, I like Nurmagomedov here. Um, yeah, so. Going I much.
0: just thought to, I thought coming into this show today that if I just picked the same picks as Kenny for the rest of the year,
3: that I would be just it. went exactly. <laughs> all
4: right, all right. Well, and if you really wanted to negotiate, I know that's not your style, right? But like since you've joined our show, I'm making you lead on all these picks and, and no problem. The, i do not pressure. He, I right. I you he just wants it. But now that you have the lead, uh you certainly shouldn't be leading on all of there these picks. Go. But we move on to a feature at welterweight. The UFC newcomer Andre Fiallo. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I don't have the file yet. Andre Fiallo, plus 235, the underdog here against Michelle Pareda, who is the minus 300 favorite. Pareda's won three in a row, James. Has momentum, could be ranked if he wins here. What are your thoughts on him against the newcomer?
0: So, uh, Andre is a guy that. If you're a hardcore fan, like I know Kenny knows exactly who this guy is. He has to, if if you're, if you're, if you're a hardcore fan and you watch this outside of the UFC, you know exactly who this guy is. And he is a nightmare. He's a terror. He's got big power. Very, very fan, uh, very fan friendly uh, to watch. Uh, A couple things I don't like about this fight is um, Pejea is so good at controlling range in and out. The, uh, and we are in uh, Anaheim, so this will be the 30 foot cage, right? Yep. Uh, Pajay is very athletic. Very, very, you very rarely see him get hit clean. And uh, Andre's gonna have to make this a phone booth fight. And with that 30 foot cage, Pajay is super athletic. I don't know if he's gonna be able to do that. He's taking it on short notice. But, but I'm telling you guys, this dude is a problem. at at, at 170 he's very good if you guys watch uh, james vick had his first fight outside of the ufc uh since being cut and andre put him to sleep really bad and uh he's he's since i think he knocked out somebody else since then he's very very good very skilled striker good power uh in both hands uh very 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 good striker i I don't like all the little x factors that go into this i'm gonna go to but i don't think the line is just i will say that uh if you guys are betting on the i'm not i there's no way i'm for the show i'm betting paye but I'm right. not taking the line on that. No way. Right. And uh, andres a, he's a monster. I don't know with all the little X factors if he's going to get this one done or not, but I have a lot of faith in him that he's going to do really well in the UFC.
4: Valuable insight there on Andre Fialio. Good strength of schedule for him. Also went over Stefan Sekulic, who... Uh, is a UFC veteran, I believe, still on the roster. So Muslim Salikov was the opponent. That is who Fialio steps in here for. And, uh, yeah, I believe he trains at Sanford MMA, and he's fought all over, Ken Flo. LFA, PFL, Bellator, UAE Warriors. Um, Pereira 3-1 to one favorite here against the newcomer Fialio. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, Pereira, he's, he really has to be very careful here. Um, you know, Andre hits very hard. Um, he, he's going to get his shot and he's going to have an opportunity to get in there and land. And if he does, it could be over very quickly. I mean, he's, he is very dangerous. So, um, it should be a fun fight while last, I, I think Pereira has been fighting so much smarter lately. I think he has learned his lesson. Uh, and if he did his homework here in his opponent, um, you know, he, he really has to make sure that he keeps him at range. Uh, and that if he is close, that he kind of clinches him up. He, he's got to be real careful against this guy. Um. But uh, I do like his length. I like his uh, athleticism. I think that's going to be a difference here. If he stays disciplined, he should be able to get the win. Uh, but there might be some scary moments. So uh, definitely for the fans out there, watch this fight.
4: A lot of good scalps on the resume for uh, Pereira starting to pile up. Zelimi, Medaia of Chaos Williams, uh, Nico Price all wins for uh, for Pereira. All right. Co-headliner. Now I'm excited to see on which side you guys will fall. So the money on DraftKings sportsbook at least right now seems to be coming in on the champion Brandon Moreno. He is minus 180. Take it on Davison Figueredo who comes back plus 155. Obviously a lot of recent history James between these two gentlemen. Figueredo's made some changes since the loss back in June. He's in Arizona. Uh, who do you think leaves the Honda Center as the undisputed UFC flyweight champion?
0: Yeah, I'm riding uh I'm riding with Brandon Moreno again. And I think he's got this guy's number. Um There's a couple. There's a couple things that that uh, that I've seen in the in the two fights that they've had. Uh, I don't feel like Figueredo does a good job pacing a fight. Um, And why would he? He's knocked the dog shit out of everybody he's fought except Brandon Moreno. And you're just not gonna. I just don't see a scenario where you get Brandon Moreno out of there. He's obviously shown he's got one of the best chins in all of MMA. His jiu-jitsu is more than stellar. Uh, uh, my, his jiu-jitsu is more than stellar. Uh, and he's, he's just a complete mixed martial artist. I think he's going to find uh, a late finish. Or I could see a 3-2 decision or something like that. You know, he's, I just think he's got uh, this guy's number, man. I think he's in his head.
4: No, I think that's a nice way to sort of break it down simply, right? And Brandon Moreno, he just – until I see somebody, put him away. Right. Like, I got to see it to believe it. You know, he took some um, huge
0: shots in that first fight. I mean, just some monster shots that would just knock most guys is completely unconscious, man. He, he's he's got a good chin man a really good chin.
4: Kenny, it's interesting because the first meeting between these two guys, when they turned in that epic fight, fought to a draw, they both had fought and won quickly three weeks prior. Right. So they really only have had two full training camps for each other. You know, but I don't know, man, Figueredo in that June meeting, you know, it left him just really disappointed, hungry, and motivated. And I don't know if that's going to prevent Moreno from having his number. But I do think if ever there were a time we're really going to get the concerted <laughs> best from Figueredo when it comes to the fight before the fight and the weight cut and everything else, Way this cut. has got to be the camp and this has got to be the fight. Given that, is that enough to uh, to wet your beak with Figueredo, Ken
3: Flo? Yeah, listen, these are two phenomenal fighters. And as we talked about uh, earlier – there's so many factors that go into the preparation for a fight. And then there's so many things that could go right and wrong. Uh, and when you have that high skill level, you know, one mistake, you zig when you should have zagged and that's the difference here. So, um, you know, for Figueredo, I think we're going to see him at his best here. Uh, just saw a picture of him and you know, that doesn't tell the whole story of course, but he looks like he's already lean and ripped and ready to go. I like the fact that he's mixing things up and trying to integrate some wrestling, uh, and and learn from Henry, Henry Cejudo and his camp. I think being in the United States, uh, is going to force him. Uh, to focus um, and, and it shows his commitment to to get out of his element and prepare for a fight of this magnitude. And I'm sure it was after that loss where it really set in You're like, man, I'm, I'm not the champion anymore. What the hell just happened? You need, need You need to refocus and all that stuff. And it seems like he's doing that. So those are all good signs. Now. Perhaps I'm a little biased here. Back in July, I had the opportunity, so I, I, I got to be fourth right here, in, in training with Brandon Moreno and his team and seeing how they operate. Um, and I came away extremely impressed. So back in July, he was preparing like he had a fight in a couple weeks. Like he was extremely focused, extremely organized, extremely disciplined, um, training his ass off. Um, and he just had the air of a champion. Um, and, and and I think that is is critical here. And when you've had that success and when you feel you figured something out in your opponent, I, I, I fear for that other guy. And I think Brandon Moreno has done that. I think he, his confidence, his skill level is going to be at a different level as well. This is a guy who is getting better all the time. He's feeling himself now. He knows what he's capable of doing. Um, And I think we're going to see another phenomenal performance from Brandon Moreno. Figueredo, can he win? Sure. But I think Moreno is going to be that much better yet again. I like Moreno here. Um, Let's go with uh, a, a late finish, fourth round TKL.
4: I love yeah, still giving us the round of the method of victory. We appreciate that. Do you guys remember Figaro? Even though they don't have to do it. Yeah. Right. You remember Figueroa's reaction to after Moreno won? You know, he's like so happy for him. He and was he lifted he his hand up
3: and yeah, he was like cheering for him. Yeah.
4: And now he's back with the verbal vitriol, whatever. Very interesting. Um, but I will say, and I've said this many times, Davison Figueroa. If you read his subtitles, write his Brazilian port, he is so smart and thoughtful. Like if I mean I really I'm mean, a dangerous I just, dude, man. Fascinated yeah. by both of these guys. I really am. All right. Main event. I'm not going to belabor the point. Seattle gone. The price seems to be getting steeper by the day. Minus 150 now is the betting favorite. Here is the interim champion against the champion, Francis Ngannou, who is plus 130. Very interesting. Obviously, a lot of angles to this main event. Fascinating stylistic clash between the consensus two best heavyweights on the planet. Uh, James Krause, who do you like in the heavyweight title fight?
0: I think Suroghan is a better fighter. I think he's got better footwork. I think he's a better striker. He's a better grappler. He's a better wrestler. I think he's a better mixed martial artist. So uh-huh. Francis, Francis. All right, I do. No, uh-huh. uh, no, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Suroghan, but that's, that's where, that's where we're at with Francis, right? Like, I mean, he doesn't need to be better. He, I right. mean, let's, let's really let's really talk about this. Like Surreal, I think Cyril is the better fighter everywhere. I think he's the more technical striker. I think he's a better wrestler, better grappler. Uh, I think he's in better shape. He's definitely got better footwork. Uh, that doesn't matter when you have a, an eraser of a right hand, you know what I mean, or left hand as well now. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's just – I think that's where we're at. So as we start to break this down, let's, let's dive down the rabbit hole a little bit since this is the main event. What I love about Suril and I, I think we've seen glimpses of this with the, the first Stipe fight, is we see good footwork. And I think Francis hasn't, I mean, you really just don't see good feet at heavyweight. You don't see a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like they're there, but like, like uh, the guy, the first guy that comes to mind that's done really well, Cain Velasquez, he had great footwork. And you just yeah. don't see that in the heavyweight division. So Rogan has excellent excellent footwork and range control which is stuff you don't typically see at heavyweight. Um, however, Francis has the ability to erase consciousness from anybody at any given time. Doesn't matter how tired he is, he still hits like a truck. He can knock you out with a jab, left hook, right hook, right uppercut, left uppercut. It doesn't matter. It's he's got the death touch, you know what I mean? And uh yeah you just got to deal with that. Uh, I do think I, this is a really tough one for me because it's like one of those ones where uh, I want, I think Cyril is the better fighter everywhere really, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to take right. Cyril as my pick, but man, yeah. don't be yeah. surprised if you see a Francis knockout, you know, that's right. just, but it's, right. that's every fight. Don't be surprised if you see a Francis knockout, you know, um, it's, a, it's a tough one.
4: If you're coaching an athlete as gifted and skilled, as Ciro gone. Um, is there a particular approach to like the first five minutes versus the rest of the fight or not? Yeah. You cook the first round,
0: uh, head inside, single to body lock, put him on the fence, cook him up. Yeah. I mean, and with Francis, it's, it's, it typically works a little bit better with, with, uh, it doesn't work with everybody. Francis just has just, he's just got raw power, right? Like no matter how tired he is, he still hits hard. Yeah. Yeah. Still can knock you out. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So I, for sure. Uh, and I think we've seen glimpses of this in the Giga fight in the Giga fight and the Qatar fight, like where Cater, uh, grappled him. The grappling cardio is not the same as the striking cardio, you know? And, uh, I think Giga got tired after that first round from grappling and the, you know, and for three minutes and it's just different. And I think if, if Cyril is able to mix in, not even the takedowns, but just the clinch, get those muscles, you know, flowing. And, uh, I think you could see him slow down a little bit because with, with me, it's, it's not necessarily with Francis. It's not necessarily about. Uh, it's not about not getting hit by him. That's obviously a huge thing. But it's about uh, just slowing him down where he's not that frantic. You know what I mean? Like that frantic, like that first part when yeah, you start the right. fight. It's like right. every the, the energy is great. Like you just want to settle him into the fight a little bit. Let him know that you're going to be here for a little while. Right. You know, and it, I, I think that would be a good approach. But, man, he, Francis, is he's the exception to the rule. Yeah, you know what I mean? He yeah. can knock you out with a jab 23 and a half minutes into the fight, and that's just yeah. how it is. So yeah. it's a tough fight for both guys, in my opinion.
4: Oh, Ken Flo. I, I'm dying to to see a pro fighter, like, go on the record and pick Francis Ganu to win this fight. I mean, he's fucking Mike Tyson. Can one of you professional athletes There's Is pick nobody Francis? picking him? No, well, I'm just, you know. It's uh, I have yet to find somebody now. And, and again, I, you know, who have I pulled? Not that many people. Right. But um, I have yet to find a pro. Well, fighter. Shit, I'll
0: pick him. I
2: don't care. It's no, no, well, no, I no. Mean, oh, no, I like <laughs> that. You
4: sort of feel like it's 50, 50. Um, but I feel like most people uh, seem to be leaning towards Ciro Gon Ken Flo, what do you got
3: for us? Yeah. Well, listen, I, I think it, it's pretty clear, right? If, if you're looking at it, if you're a pro fighter and, and you're looking at it from a skill standpoint, it's clear that Cyril Gon is the better fighter. Um, you know, and Ganu is the most dangerous heavyweight there is. He, he's the most heavyweight. He's the most dangerous heavyweight on the planet. Okay. Is he the best fighter, though? No, I, I still, I'm still not sure if he knows how to really fight. Like, and, and it sounds <laughs> crazy, right? Like, he's he can knock you out, like James said, for in a lot of different ways. He doesn't need to be perfect, he just needs to touch you. Um, You know, can can he out grapple you and do all these things? No, he's an athletic freak. The problem is Cyril God is, is, is an excellent athlete as well. He moves really well. I mean, who has that kind of soft touch and movement and rhythm changes and fluidity like Cyril God, I, I haven't seen it. Um, and I think Cyril God has more ways to win. Um, but at the same time, you know, whatever we were talking about the, the training footage earlier, um, Four-ounce gloves, when it comes to heavyweight, it's a totally different deal. It's a totally different deal. And if Francis catches, you, catches him or anybody, you're in trouble. And, you know, if we can get a little jejune here for a little bit and get a little childish here. But, you know, the lion, you look at the lion, right? Uh, all its uh, athletic traits and all its abilities and all the different ways that it can mess an animal up. Uh you know the most dangerous animal in Africa is, is the hippo. You know they, they just need to chomp down on you once. That's it. That's the way I kind of see Nganu. He's just so damn dangerous. He just <laughs> needs one shot. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, tell him you so, called him a
0: hippo, Kenny. I'm yeah, exactly, exactly. A yep.
3: He's a Bitcoiner too, so I'm kind of cheering for him on the low. Uh, there so we I go. I, I love it. Uh, but uh, Nganu is just a big time problem, man. And, and um, so. I think if they if they start crashing into each other, I like Ngannou's chances. I think he's just so fast, and there's very few guys who are going to have that same speed and power like Ngannou. So Gon has to be very, very careful. The reason I'm so confident in Gon, in uh, sorry, in Gon as well, is the fact that we've seen him already go against guys who have tremendous power, and we've seen him out-slick everybody. Like, have we seen Gon hurt? I don't no. know. Have we seen him in a tough fight? He's made it look easy and he's just schooled guys. And he's a cool customer as well. Like I've never seen him rattled. I've never seen him surprised. I've never seen him make major mistakes where I'm like, Ooh, dude, if he does this against this guy, like right, right. I don't see any weaknesses. Does it matter if he gets hit by and again? He's got that kind of power, but um, I-, I just think gone has been schooled so well also how many guys (laughs) have a former coach uh uh, you know on your side like who has more information on Nganu than Cyril Gunn And I I think Ngannou's dealing with a lot of stuff leading up to this fight. If Ngannou is able to win this fight, dude, I mean, I would be so damn impressed. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be so impressed because obviously, you know, you have the beef with Dana and the UFC. He's dealing with contract negotiations. A lot has gone on on that end, you know, uh, so anytime you're dealing with a lot of stuff outside the cage, that's never a good sign and, uh, you know, I don't know how he's going to react to fighting a a training partner, a former training partner, who he knows is very skillful and very good, and he's going against his former coach as well. So, again, the the odds are kind of stacked against Nganu here. So, uh, for all those reasons, I'm going with Cyril Gunn. Oh, I
4: could listen to you guys all night. I guess I'm just looking for like a pro fighter, somebody that I put on a pedestal like I do you guys, to just say, yes, Seatelgon is maybe the most skilled heavyweight I've ever seen, but you know what? The other guy is the most freakish combination of speed and power we have ever seen at heavyweight in the near 30 year history of the UFC. And so for those reasons, I'm taking that guy. I just find it interesting. You know, I expected James that gone would close as the favorite and that most of the pro fighters I talked to would, would be on that side. I'm very interested to hear from other people leading up to it, but, um, Great job, fellas! Great fucking job with the uh, second main event challenge of the year. Uh, more from James Krause at the James Krause on social media. What's next for you, brother, in terms of the travel?
0: Uh, UFC will be Houston, February twelfth. I think that is. I have some uh, some. I'll, I'll be will be Fury at the end of this month. Uh, some regional stuff here and there, uh, and then you know I'm back to back. So we have. Uh, I have my. Uh, I'll be uh, no, that's not true. February fifth, I'll be there, and then I have. Uh, Houston, and then I have Dana White's looking for a fight on my show the that Sunday, the 6th, February 6th.
4: Big things. Big things. Might even fit in a, a pro fight of his own, ladies and gentlemen. You never <laughs> know. Great stuff. Appreciate you. you. Know. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, See guys. You, dude. Appreciate it. There he is. The UFC's James Krauss. James Krauss with us for the main event challenge. All right. Poll results. About 3,000 votes. Which octagon size do you prefer? To my delight, 73% of you like the larger octagon. I thought it'd be flipped. Everybody'd be like, Oh, they just kill each other in that little guy, all the finishes, you know.
3: I voted I voted by the way in your little poll because I wanted to see what people were thinking in that. So I went I went with the bigger cage too.
4: I love it. I kind (laughs) of like I didn't mean to like editorialize, but I was like, give me the big guy all day, as I have said, ad (laughs) nauseum. All right, final act our pick to click it's presented by oddsshark.com the most reliable source for sports betting information with the latest odds insight and analysis on everything UFC Strongly would encourage you to check out oddshark.com slash UFC to get all you need to know in advance of placing your wagers for UFC 270 this weekend. Oddshark Fight Center is live, key resource for fans. And I know the media uses that as well, all the matchup information compartmentalized in a nice, ingestible way. Oddshark.com also giving you a compilation of all the odds from different sports books so you can compare prices. And their experts out there not only have great insight, but they are not rookies at this, I can assure you. They have been invested in mixed martial arts and handicapping MMA for a long time. So, check it out in advance of the pay-per-view this weekend. Every click supports the Anakin Florian podcast. Thank you. Oddshark.com slash UFC. Don't forget the second S. Let's get to the pick-to-click.
0: Time now for the pick-to-click. The pick-to-click. All I have to do is bet on the winner and I'll
1: never lose.
0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
4: All right, well, it would not be a pay-per-view week without this man in your life. Now joining us to give you his thoughts on the two big fights at UFC 270, sports betting analyst for OddsShark.com on Twitter. He is at JTFOZ. On Instagram, don't miss it at Paper Chaser Joe. I've been known to watch his videos twice. Joe Osborne, happy new year, brother. Good to see you, man.
5: Guys, it's good to see you too. It's also good to see uh, the New England Patriots. Nice, come uh, on, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a disgraced Miami Dolphins fan, so you'll <laughs> get no sympathy from me. So it, it was kind of nice to, to see. I was hoping to watch a good game, actually. I ended up turning it off and got so out of hand. But yeah, my God, that got out of hand, guys.
4: No, and as Bill Belichick said, their least competitive game all year. But it's interesting when I <clears> see like <throat> Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports say, you know, now we know what it feels like. Mm. For a lot of the other NFL teams, you know, and I do feel like as I get older, you know, my heart sort of yearns for some of these franchises that have been down. Not necessarily the Dolphins and the Bills and the teams within the division, um, but I like to see the Chiefs and Andy Reid break through as I get a little bit older. But for me, as a Patriots fan of the 1980s, like I experienced all that shit before, you know, so today's a bad day. I'm in a bad mood. Thanks for leading the leading the dance with it today, you know. (laughs)
5: Yeah, it is. Hey, I'm watching the Dallas Cowboys urinate all over themselves on national I TV right now. It's only the third quarter, so hopefully they can make <laughs> a bit of a push. I took the over like an asshole at 51. Dallas has seven on the board halfway through the uh, the third quarter here, yeah, so and, uh, 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 not looking too good. Nick yeah, Bosa, the best player on San Francisco's, so, and they can't do a damn thing about it.
4: I just, Cowboys fans got to be just killing themselves right now. All right, let us talk about some mixed martial yeah. arts and then time permitting some NFL stuff on the back end before we get you out of sure. here. All right, so the co-headliner, let me start there. Hope I'm not messing with your notes, but Brandon Moreno is minus 180. Davis and Figueredo, plus 155 or so. Far and away the best price you've ever gotten on Figueredo in the UFC. He has been an underdog before, but a long time ago. Um, Total rounds over three and a half, Juice to minus 125. Under three and a half rounds, minus 105. Uh, Will you have a wager on the co-made event?
5: Yeah, I like the underdog here. Great number on Figaro at uh, plus 155, right? If if you consider the first two fights, he closed at minus 335 for the first one and minus 235 for the second one. And my, my logic going into this one, it, it's kind of along the lines of, hey, if these guys fought 10 times, I think that they would split those 10 fights and they would yeah. win five, five fights apiece, right? And you go back and you take a look at the first fight. It was a draw um Figueroa probably would have won if it wasn't for that point deduction in the third round in my opinion some people do think he won anyways and then that second fight uh he just flat out got his ass kicked there's no need to sugarcoat it right uh fantastic night for uh Moreno in there and it was a really bad night for uh Figueroa and as a result of that we have some real recency bias cooked into this line and the thing people have to keep in mind is the UFC fighters, just like any, like a team in the NFL can have a really bad week and they can come out the next week and show everyone, hey, this that isn't who we are. It was a bit of a fluke, right? But in the UFC or mixed martial arts in general, I guess, if you have a bad night, we might not see you again for another six months or so, right? So that's what sticks in people's mind uh we saw calvin cater last night right everyone fresh in their mind was a beating he took from max holloway and he looked fantastic what a bounce yeah. back that was but um so yeah look look at this fight so entering this trilogy uh Figueroa, i thought this guy was really you know starting to make that ascension up the pound for pound ranks and we saw what happened right now here he is at the age of 34. Uh, he hasn't won a fight in a year obviously and this is clearly the most pivotal fight of his career versus a guy who I think under, he underestimated in that first fight. I don't know what what the hell happened in that second fight. But, you know, I, I think he's taking this extremely serious. We've known that this guy is a guy who's had the weight cutting issues. Uh, and we have seen some uh, images of him on social media where he looks fantastic. Sometimes you have to take that with a grain of salt, though. Right. But I do think he's taking it very serious. So I think we might see a bit of a, a shift in strategy here. Moreno, uh, not an easy guy to finish. He has never been finished. Right. So maybe it's just not going in there in the phone booth and throwing bombs with him, maybe being a little bit more strategic with the strike. Mm-hmm. And there's one prop bet I absolutely... Uh, love for this fight. So not all the books have prop, yet's, uh, prop bets out yet and method of victory, but I'm seeing Figueroa at a major sports book to win by decision at plus 600. And I absolutely love that bet, guys.
3: Six to one. Wow. How about that? All right. Good stuff. Well, Joe, uh, what about the main event, man? Big fight, obviously. Cyril Gone taking on Francis Ngannou. Ghosn is the uh, favorite. Uh, do you have a bet in the main event?
5: Yeah, it's kind of a tricky one here. So, uh, Gone is my pick to win the fight, but I don't really think there's a whole lot of value on him at this point. You know, when this fight first became official, I do the whole odds maker thing and I figure out or try to take a guess what the line will be. And I thought to myself, well, uh, getting Gone as an underdog, hey, that's a bet that I would be pretty interested in making. And then, of course, you know, it's right at around a pick for, you know, the last month or so. And now we've seen uh gone shoot up to the minus one forty range. So not a whole lot of value on him. Um, like I said though, I do think he wins a fight, but now with Nganu as a decent sized underdog here, I think that there's a decent case that you can absolutely make for him, considering he's coming off the most complete performance of his career and he's on a five uh fight finish streak at the moment. But I like quite a bit how Gon's striking matches up with Francis's in this fight. You know, I love his composure in the octagon. He's not a guy who's in a big rush. He's not a guy that takes a lot of damage. Francis also isn't a guy who takes a lot of damage, which brings me to the round over under. It's at two and a half. Now, you got to have some real balls if you're going to take the over two and a half in a Francis and GANU fight. But I don't mind that here, guys, that even money. Um, we've right. seen Gone go over this in five of his last six fights, and I think his style of fighting might dictate the fight a little bit more uh than Francis's. And we have seen a history of Francis. It didn't happen in his most recent fight, but we have seen him slow down after the first round uh throughout his career here. Uh, not that there's whole uh, too many instances of him getting out of the uh the first round because he's usually finishing guys early, right? So Um, I could see this one stretching out a little bit longer, so I don't mind that over two and a half rounds at all. So pretty interesting, you know. I wonder about Ngannou, you know, what distractions there might be there. And, of course, a big storyline this week is going to be his contract situation with the UFC. You know, there's uh, some media outlets. They love to jump on that and throw it in people's face and hammer it home. So we're going to hear about a lot of that. So I don't know if that's something that could phase him. At all, but maybe a a tiny red flag, perhaps.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an emotional component to this fight. Um, You know, like when Ken Flo fought Joe Lozon, right? Isn't there a different emotional component, Kenny, than fighting like Diego Nunes, right? Now, I know Nunes was a title eliminator and Jose Aldo obviously would be the fight, right? But like you and Lozon, like the Massachusetts guys, it's a main event. Like, aren't there different emotions, right? Like, I think there's an emotional component to this. They've shared the gym. I think Francis wants this one in the worst way, Mm -hmm. you know, and I see the money line just shooting up every minute, you know?
5: Yeah. And it's funny because you would call Francis, I guess, at this point, a square dog. Like if if you do, uh, I did a poll like a couple of weeks ago. Who do you think is going to win? And 70% of the people said Francis, yet he's just becoming more and more of an underdog. And there's an adage in sports betting square dogs have fleas, and it tends to yeah. be true, yeah. Yeah. Alabama Crimson Tide in the national championship game against uh, Georgia uh, last Monday. They were right. a square dog, right? right. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a very interesting fight, and I cannot wait to see it.
4: I love it. I was on Georgia, by the way. I placed 72 bets over the last six days. I got real issues. Wow. You're
5: smarter than me, man. Maybe not for the betting amount that you're putting down, but for being on Georgia instead of it.
4: I just I bet volume like just really dumb. Um. All right, at JTFOZ, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram at Paper Chaser Joe. Hey, selfishly, real quick, in like thirty mm-hmm. seconds, if you could, for yeah. for me, because you took a shot at the Patriots. So I'm down here in oh. South Florida. They fire Brian Flores. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody's blasting the firing. Right. And there's a lot of people who don't like the quarterback. too. I know you're a Dolphin fan. I know you like the quarterback, you know. Yeah. Um, but Brian Flores, who was a disciple of Bill Belichick to whatever degree, has been here three years and the team hasn't been to the playoffs. So say what mm-hmm. you want about the firing. But certainly that's not the goal when you hire him. You'd like to make the playoffs within three years, no matter what roster he inherited. Um, What were your thoughts on what happened with the Dolphins there at the end of the season?
5: Um, I think it's a a real overreaction that the the majority of people are having. Ultimately, I think, yeah, they probably should have hung on to him. But as soon as I saw that Schefter tweet that uh, he had gotten canned, I thought to myself, well, uh, there must be some real shit going down behind the scenes. And that's been trickling out all week that there has been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. But this is a guy who's hired uh, a different offensive coordinator and different offensive line coach in each of his three years with the Miami Dolphins. And everyone wants to rip on Tua for the two uh, measuring stick games of so Week 17 last year and this year with major playoff implications on the line. Yes, he did play horrible, but the Dolphins as a team played horrible too. The defense was god-awful in these games, and Flores is supposed to be the defensive mastermind. So some of that's got to be on him. He didn't take a whole lot of blame. In those situations um i did not expect them to fire him but it yeah. didn't didn't seem like a very good situation behind the scenes uh people who didn't like him really didn't like him apparently so we'll see what his next stop is but i hope the dolphins can get it right because we're doing uh, the restart thing uh we're in the hamster yeah. wheel here guys yeah. every three years it's a hit the reset right. button reset right. button yeah. And uh, it's not fun. It sucks being a Miami Dolphins fan. To be completely
2: honest with you. All right, well, maybe
4: we'll do a little bet next year. Whoever, right. if the Patriots finish ahead of the Dolphins, I'll grow my hair out. And if the Patriot, uh, if the Dolphins uh, finish ahead of the Patriots, you shave your head or something like that. I okay. don't
5: know if it would grow back, man. So ah. we'd have to do like a case of beer or something like right. that. People
4: but- <laughs> we, are we so afraid when it comes to the head. Like Kempfle would never shave his fucking head. You know, I don't even have to ask the guy. Um, all right, Joel. Joel, have a have a great week, uh, great day, better evening, and uh, hey. Thanks for, for fitting us in on a Sunday, man. I know it's not ideal. We appreciate your
5: time. Guys, you guys can call me minutes before a life-saving surgery. Uh, and I would pick up right. the phone and tell the dan- or tell the doctors to hold on. So we're all, all good. Right. Thank you guys for having me on. Good luck to you and good luck to all your listeners. There Thanks, he is. Dude.
4: Appreciate Brother Joe Osborne. More content from him at oddshark.com. Uh, Ken Flo, you're such a sick fuck that maybe there wasn't like an added emotional component to the Joe Lozon fight, but you knew I was going to circle back wasn't there a different emotional component than someone like Diego Nunez, who you really don't know from a hole in the wall?
3: Oh, I, I think there's, there's no question about it. I, I think that, um, there, there's that mental component for a couple different reasons. You know, um, obviously we were representing both kind of representing Boston. We had kind of had a history, uh, to, you know together kind of coming up in the same organization all that stuff um obviously the media kind of played it up a little bit because we were both from boston the battle for right, boston right. and all that stuff right. uh and then there was kind of some shit talking uh, a, a little yes. bit from from the right. lows on camp so yeah it, it definitely w- was uh, a lot going on the other thing you know which a lot of people didn't know is my back was really messed up leading to, leading into that fight i had only trained like uh, like 10 days before the fight, like, so like three weeks before the fight, I had done zero just to kind of salvage my back and I was fighting in high, at high altitude. So yeah, there was a lot of kind of, um, you know, uh, pressure I think for, for me anyway. And, uh, you know, it being a main event, all that stuff. So yeah, it yeah. can change fight to fight. These guys know each other really well. They spent a lot of time in the gym. All that stuff can play a factor. It can either shut you down. It can make you overly aggressive, there, there's so much going on in this fight, but uh, yeah, I can't wait.
4: And by the way, uh, UFC fight night, Florian versus Lozon. I've just puff out our chest here for team Florian. Just a minute. I know the the Lozons and the guidas don't like me and I'm okay with that. You know, as I grow older, there are a lot of people that don't like me. Uh, Broomfield, uh, Colorado, go to UFC fight pass, April of 2008. That's a big win for team Florian. Back issues, notwithstanding, forget the training camp. Just go watch the ground and pound
3: folks. Hey, and uh, a little show started uh, right after that called MMA Live for ESPN. So Right. Yeah. It was a good that time. That was a, a whole other
4: component to yeah. it, right? That the television pressure on Ken Flo at the <laughs> outset, essentially, of his television career, knowing we were going to launch that show. Uh, there was a lot of pressure for him to win that fight. So I'd encourage all of you to go to UFCfightpass.com fight uh and check out that main event between Kenny Florian and Joe Lozon. It was a three round main event back in the day and it did not uh, go the full 15, right? Three round main event. Correct.
3: It was, it was Yeah, yeah.
4: judges not needed that night. Doctor needed. <laughs> all right. Remember the show back in your lives on this very channel coming up Thursday night with Bilal Muhammad and my twin bro, Jason, and at florianpodcast.com for your merchandise needs also, one more sleep merch at millions.co. Mary Johnmas, believe it or not, still works for 10% off your order. And don't forget Ken Flo's YouTube channel as well. Um, if you want more Brazilian jiu-jitsu in your life, and candidly, you know, every jiu-jitsu practitioner has, who I've ever talked to has told me how much it would add to my life <laughs> if I were to make it a regular part of my life. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe you go to Kev YouTube channel. Hey, maybe you get the bug. You know, I haven't gotten the bug yet. I'm starting to get the itch a little bit, but uh, not enough to actually put the gi back on. Maybe I go no gi with my
3: new... no gi, dude. Do
4: Can no-gi. we do that, please, pahumpa if you're fucking listening? Uh, Luis Claudio BJJ, shout out to LCCT, uh, just gave me a rash guard. I'll put on a rash guard. I'll put on whatever shorts. I'll even wear the, like, gi pants if you want, you know? But it's like, <laughs> don't quiz me on the belt, Right? You know, I'll do fucking two hundred hip escapes, okay? You can quiz <laughs> me on tying the belt, right? So you quiz me on tying the belt, and then forty-three year old man, I need like forty forward rolls, you know? So I'm fucking, I'm
3: dizzy. I'm fucking spinning on the curb outside. <laughs> the class hasn't even started. Bro, it's like, I, I would, do I would, else. I would pay so much money. To just like and 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 make sure that you couldn't see me, and I'd just be like peering through the window, looking at you doing hip escapes and phone rolls. Oh my God! There's I gotta talk to Pompini. We gotta set it up, dude. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spy on you for an hour be amazing. I mean,
4: (laughs) I don't even know. I know this shirt makes me look fat, but I've worked out every day of January. It's January 16th, right? Um, But the jujitsu thing, man, the forward rolls. I've talked to Pahumpa recently. Like, bro, if we're doing privates, right, I haven't broached the whole gi, no gi thing because there might be a sensitivity. They'll put the fucking gi on if I have to. Um, But I was like, dude, no more forward rolls, man. Like... And he was like, OK, with that, you know, um, and whenever I offer that complaint to other jujitsu practitioners, <laughs> right, they're like, oh, we won't make you do four goals, You know, we <laughs> just want to get you in the gi so bad. You know? um, oh, I love it. Right.
3: That's cool. I got to
4: go. We got to go. Uh, we're back next Monday, January 24th. Full recap of UFC 270. Will it be Francis Ngannou or Seidel Gan, uh, who leaves the OC as the undisputed UFC heavyweight champ? We'll find out on pay-per-view Saturday. New pay-per-view prices for uh, 2022, if you haven't heard. It got cheaper, I think. I'm not sure. Um, look forward to seeing you all in about 48 hours after the pay-per-view next Monday, Jan 24. Uh, thanks to our guests, Ray Longo, James Krause, Joe Osborne, uh, our producer, best in the business, Cody Merrill for Kempful. i John and Thank you all for watching, for listening. Subscribe. Tell your friends. We appreciate the support. Until next week, stay healthy. Don't text and drive. Yo, fucking later.